Welcome to this edition of Applaudable Perspectives. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. I have a distinct pleasure to have my guest uh, today, uh, old friend, president and CEO of the Nashville Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, Mr. Yuri Kunza. Yuri, welcome to the sh show. Bienvenidos. Thank you, uh, gracias. Uh, uh, bienvenidos. Yes, uh, I appreciate you inviting me. Um, to be part of your podcast. Now, I met Yuri several years ago, and I think he was the first person from Peru that I met here in the States. And we immediately became buddies because I said how much I love Peru. And just said, you should take groups to Peru. They should see what a wonderful country you that you're from. And since that time, I've been back to Peru. I went for another couple of weeks, um, maybe two years ago. So um, tell us a little bit about your journey What's your background? Where did you grow up in Peru? How did you make your way to the States? And, and why Nashville? Why did you end up settling in Nashville? That's a great question. Uh, and also, I, I remember when we met, um, you told me that you visited Peru. And I was uh, very impressed and very curious about your experience and also um, just finding that uh, point of coincidence. Um, when we uh, uh, make the choice Uh, sometimes um, it's not necessarily, um, it's more of an imperative. In my case, it was a choice to come to the U.S. for educational opportunities primarily, but I know I learned um, through the years that other individuals have to make the, the choice to leave their, their, their uh, places of origin to find better opportunities. Yes, of course. So that's something that we can get into in a little bit. In my particular case, Um, I always uh, um, admire um, the United States because it, it projects an international image through um, news, advances in technology, the economy, mm -hmm. arts, um, culture, especially when we see that most of the um, television and film content, and that's the, the professional background of mine, um, It projects the image of the good guys in the world, mm -hmm. right? the heroes uh, that you want to aspire to become. And uh, well, when I moved to the U.S., I learned shortly after that that wasn't necessarily the case. And there were a lot of issues that uh, still we are uh, dealing with here in America. And I wanted to be part of that uh, of that uh, effort. Uh, efforts of uh, improving because uh, we have to always think that there can be a better day, right. a better tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So where did you, let me ask you a question. Uh, I've been all over Peru. Where did you grow up? What part of Peru for people who don't know uh, Peru? And, and I went to Peru and, and it wasn't on the History Channel every, you know, every week there's a show about Peru or, the, or you know, there's documentaries. Um, it was sort of an unknown place to visit. And I can remember telling people I was going to Peru and they were like, why are you going to Peru? And I just went with a very small group, like four people. And um, I just fell in love, absolutely fell in love. I had a very mystical experiences there as well. Um, what, what part of Peru are you from, Yuri? I was born, I was born in Lima. In Lima. Okay, so that's the capital. That's the capital. Mm -hmm. And when I grew up there, I really didn't have an opportunity to visit parts of Peru. Mm -hmm. So I did that already um, in, upon my return from the U.S. 
Mm-hmm. I, I left Peru uh, I left Lima after high school. Okay. Uh, and I went to Argentina. I, I uh, applied and got accepted into a, a medical school program in the city of Corrientes, which is to the north uh, of the country, Argentina. Okay. Uh, and uh, I, I was there for um, almost three years, and then there was an opportunity to come to the U.S. Now, you were and studying that, medicine that, there? Were you studying medicine? I was, yes, I was studying medicine. I did not complete that. Uh, the fact is that uh, the, um, uh, what I had studied it, it wasn't compatible to how uh, the school is here. Um, okay. And so that will, I had to kind of start over. And, yes, and yeah. A different thing, a different um, professional uh, orientation, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. that, uh, that was also a passion of mine, which was uh, um, arts, media, film, and all of that. How did you, let me ask you a question, when you came to Argentina, how did you find Argentina uh, as compared to per- Peru when you visited, when you were staying in Argentina? Um, it, it's different, um, of course. Um, um, I think the challenges for Peru uh, and their economic challenge for, for Peruvians uh, had to do with the, the geography of the country. Yes. Which is hard to access. Um, so um, development and infrastructure yeah. is hard to bring to the remote rural areas of uh, Peru. Uh, Argentina is kind of flat. I think yes. they have needed more in that regard, uh, and but I was, I was at a, um, uh, in a in a small town in a way uh, to the north. Um, it's a province, um, province of Corrientes. But then eventually, I, I visited Buenos Aires, which is the capital, and I was. Uh, it's like it reminds me of um, kind of like New York, but more more spread out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's it, it, it's all like that, and, and it's just great. It's a, it's very conscious. It's a city, and of course, I come from uh, from Lima, which is one of the oldest city cities in the in the continent, uh, a major capital uh, when the Spaniards occupied that, and it was founded in fifteen hundred thirty-five, I believe. Um, Un- yeah, unbelievable museums. The museums are unbelievable. The gold museum there is unbelievable, and there's you, you have the influence of the original indigenous people, and then you also have the colonial period. So there's so much to see in Lima, Miraflores, and all through there. It's a beautiful city. Oh. Well, you've been to the right places, and you can never really finish knowing, learning about Lima. I returned, I returned to Lima after 12 years being in the U.S. Wow. And I found that there was a change in infrastructure a, a, little, a, a lot better. Um, several of the local uh, or U.S. Uh, uh, food service and hotel chains were also present in Peru. Really? Um, yeah, but but the the architecture and the old sites, and they, they're still there. And it's a safer, cleaner a better place to visit nowadays. I, I was there earlier this year, end of uh, 2022, and beginning to um, uh, January 2023, I uh, I was there 
visiting. Um, so I strongly recommend anyone that hasn't had the chance to not only visit the capital, but go to where you visited, which is Machu Picchu, which is uh, in Cusco, mm-hmm. um, a short flight from Lima. Short mm-hmm. and like fairly inexpensive flight. I think it's about $50, $60 one way to Cusco. And then, of course, there you have to find um, a way to, or a tour guide or a tour company that can get you to, to where you need, uh, where you will find Machu Picchu, which is an archaeological, one of the wonders of the world, world um, located nearby Cusco. And it's, I think, believe it's a UNESCO world site, if I'm not mistaken. And yes. It's commonly known as the quote-unquote lost city of the Incas. Am I right? Well, it, they, I think it's a lost city because it wasn't found. They didn't find it. They didn't find it and destroy it. Yeah, so it's sort it, of, it's, that's I what I mean. Yeah. find that or if they, I, I don't think there was any reports of that site. So it was discovered in the 1900s. Right, I think. right, right, right. But when I say lost city, it was because the conquistadors didn't find it. It was up in the mountains. It was a sacred yes. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's important to point out, and I believe I have my Peruvian history correct, that part of the reason that the conquistadors were able to come in and, um, and conquer Peru were there were two warring brothers that were controlling the country at the time, and they weren't getting along. And so the conquistadors were able to come in and divide and conquer, um, and, of course, bring uh, horses and, and weaponry and disease and, and just, uh, you know, it's just very, very sad. It's happened over and over again throughout history. But uh, to me, the culture is still intact and so incredibly rich. And, of course, you have the Nazca lines are there. You have the Yoros Islands and Lake Titicaca, which is the highest, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the highest uh, lake in an elevation in the world, I believe. And, uh, I mean, That's correct. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, like... For one small country, so many incredible, extraordinary things to see and visit and enjoy. And, of course, the, 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 I believe some of the earliest tapestry ever found in the world, the weavings were found in Peru. Um, the, there's mummified uh, bodies there that are very interesting to, to understand the history there. And I mean, I can't say enough great things about Peru. And the pottery, unbelievable. Um, so... Please, whoever's listening, go visit Peru. There's lots of tour companies, or maybe Yuri would get a group together and we can go with you. But um, anyway, so go ahead. I'm going to let you talk. I'm, I'm, I'm gushing about your, your incredible country that you're from. Um, well, so, you're getting me, getting me excited. I want to go back to Peru now. <laughs> uh, I, 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 we have this spending trip, right? I think we, we needed to uh, brainstorm about organizing a visit which goes that and also, of course, Mexico, which is closer uh, great places. I relate a lot to to when I visit Mexico. Um, it's not Peru, but it's it's uh, it's as amazing and rich and 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 its people basically is what uh, make make the, uh, for a great destination. So I encourage anyone that has not had the chance to travel uh, do that because the best memories, the best souvenirs, is what you. Um, uh, keep on your soul, in your mind. It's very easy to get to. I mean, typically you fly through, I think, Miami. So from Nashville, you just, I mean, it's just very easy flight to get there. And I'll tell you what I noticed, though. I will, I will tell you that the first time I went was many, many years ago. And then I went back recently. And I could tell the difference 
as I've, as I've aged, just acclimating to the, the you know less oxygen because if people don't realize this, Peru is part of it is a very high elevation. So you, you when you start to climb and you're exploring, you have to be a little bit more measured with regards to your activity because I think it's like 25% less oxygen, I believe. And and people were having to be on oxygen uh, that, uh, that I was uh, to some of the people I was with, they had oxygen on a bus that I was I was in and uh you know, you just have to be mindful of what you're what you're doing and uh Machu Picchu has gotten much more developed and now they have a control on how many people uh, are able to visit and it's much more I mean it's gotten much more popular I guess it, it which is good for for the tourism in, in Peru and for your bringing um, economic wealth to the country for sure um, yeah it's definitely safer now and, and you reminded me of that I recently visited New Mexico for a conference our energy summit for our national Hispanic chamber took place there and I noticed that altitude and I had to use a little of the canned oxygen which I'm glad there is that available now. So maybe that's the thing to do uh, if you feel like that in Peru. Well, I remember the first thing that, that we did was they were, we were told to lie down, drink lots of water, and drink coca tea. Drink the coca tea to get acclimated. And it did help. Um, so anyway, well, let's, okay, so let's segue. So then you go from um, Peru to Argentina and then you made your way to the United States. And where did you first visit the U.S. when you came over, Yori? So I came to Nashville. But my, my plan or my aspiration was to uh, actually uh, visit uh, California. Uh-huh. Find um, uh, a way to learn learn and participate in, in, in the entertainment industry, right? The film industry. Okay. But I came to Nashville because my... I have family here. My my uncle and his wife, my aunt, were here. Uh, my grandmother used to also visit and stay uh, for uh, you know several months at a time, and so this was the place that I first came. And it took it didn't take long until I realized um, that of course this was a place in 1992 where you really didn't buy much of a, of a visible Hispanic community. If there was any, I only remember the friends that my, my uncle had, and they were more, they were, most of them, I think all of them were uh, related to his work. And he's a, he's a, a science um, researcher, mm-hmm. uh, professor um, at Harry and Vanderbilt. And, and so the circle or of basically a small one of uh, Latinos who I met uh, maybe through a, a social uh, gatherings at someone's home that uh, he invited me to. Mm-hmm. But now it has grown. I mean, even uh, just uh, driving through what now is a pretty much an immigrant corridor, uh, like Norwood Road, back then, I think there was maybe a couple of restaurants and all of that, and all you walk from downtown to Ojicori Boulevard. Right. Um, much different these days. Well, and I think that your choices in restaurants were for primarily Mexican food. Now you can have Peruvian food, Colombian food, Guatemalan. There's, I mean, you have to look for it, but it's there. And um, and as well as uh, other nationalities. I mean, we have like Sudanese food and we have Kurdish food and we have a really, I think, you and I both have observed that 
Nashville has become much more multicultural. And I moved here from New York City, so it was a huge uh, adjustment. Even though I grew up in a small town in upstate New York, I lived in Manhattan for years, and Nashville was uh, still sort of in its infancy in some ways. It was still a, more of a provincial town, and it's definitely changed a lot. Um, so it's safe to say that when you moved here, there was not a Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Is that correct? I definitely not. Okay. Uh, because the, the, the Hispanic Chamber dates back to uh, only 2000, the year 2000, was where it was founded. Of course, I wasn't involved in that, and I wasn't involved in any of that prior to that either. So I came into the Hispanic Chamber when it was already a few years um, in, um, active for a few years. I uh, never thought that I would be really involved with a, a, a chamber of commerce or business organization because my everybody brought just the message that when I was asked to meet with one of the board directors just to discuss the possibility of getting involved in the board, I said, well, I don't know if I'm a good choice here because I don't consider myself a business person. I consider myself a creator, an artist. Uh -huh. uh, but then, you know, I learned that um, it is much more than just business. It has mm -hmm. to be an important and strong component of community and community building mm -hmm. and development that I think we all want to be part of or would like to be part of. So when you t tell us when you joined the chamber and decided to lead the chamber and kind of maybe some of the milestones that you feel that have been achieved since you took over. Uh, that, is a, that is a good question. I think it's been a process um, of learning. Um, the, the market has changed. At the time in which I uh, became involved, um, there was, uh, I said, maybe mid 2000. Um, there was a, there were, it was a recent census from the year 2000, I, I think. And then after that, um, I'm sure there was some election. And so the topic of population growth uh, was in the news. Nashville was experiencing a exponential exponential growth mm -hmm. uh, with uh, Latino populations and mm, it was important to voice. Um, well, I think an important uh, achievement is that uh, we found ways to engage and foster Latino leadership in our market. Mm -hmm. So there are more voices now. There are more voices, and we're, I mean, we still have, don't have what we will be, will be considered um, the success of markets like Florida or Texas or California, in which you have um, several elected officials, uh, local leaders, visible business leaders um, that you can count on. But I think we're heading to that direction, mm -hmm. uh, hopefully, as, as the population grows also for Nashville, which is estimated like 80 people move to Nashville every day. Can you imagine that? Yesterday was uh, at the um, July 4th celebration, let freedom sing um, at the, um, at the uh, and then in downtown Nashville, um, I was made aware that there, is, there are about 250,000 people coming to this 
fireworks and concert uh, um, event every year. Crazy. So a lot of visitors, a lot of people noticing Nashville. Mm -hmm. So to work harder in making sure that the message is clear. Uh, we are here to stay. We are 10% of the of the Nashville population, um, which, well, it's 12% Nashville population, uh, heading, uh, um, probably bordering over 100,000. Mm -hmm. More, because the last census, uh, 2020, I think was a little perfect, and it was due to, to the challenges presented by COVID. Um, but sure. We'll, I mean, there's not much of a way to really figure the actual numbers, but I can see that our Hispanic business community is getting reactivated. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to report that there are new businesses and more businesses opening, and there are more people from other U.S. markets choosing to live in Nashville, and, and some of them uh, are, are choosing to open a business in Nashville. Yeah. Yeah, it's very entrepreneurial uh, friendly, I think too. Um, so, so you've you've been there since when did you start? When did you start at the chamber? What year? Do you remember? Yeah, it's, I think my term started in two thousand four. Wow, wow. Yeah. So wow, that's that's a long time, Yuri. Let me let me calculate that. So we see, it should be at least fifteen years. Wow, um, that's fantastic. And what do you what do you see the challenges are going forward? You have, I mean, obviously we've got. Um... Oh well, I have to uh, you know explain that when I first came into the organization, I came as a board member. Right. Okay. After my term, and then I became board chair. Uh, I was nominated. I was elected board chair, and then that that's when the explosive growth took place in Nashville and. I realized that this is important. We, if there, if you are not there at the time that there is a question asked about your community, then there will be nothing that will um, serve as record of that moment in history. Right. So after that, when when my term was over, the board wanted to, to offer to hire me, and but at that time, and I, it's an important anecdote for me. I knew that the organization was in any shape to, to sustain a salary. So, but I, I appreciated the, the, the uh, efforts or the intent of our board. And then I accepted, I guess, being involved and trying to find ways in which we can make the chamber sustainable. And uh, to, to that point, so times passed and we, I'm happy that we we stick we we stayed and we uh, helped the organization grow. Mm -hmm. And so there was a point. I think I would say 2000. If I I'm talking about the starting day for my role as um, member of the staff of the organization, I would say 2009. Okay, 2009. And if people want to join, could you direct them to your website? And if they have any questions. Uh, they want to learn more about what you do. Direct them to your website. What is the website for the, for the chamber? Yeah, it's um, NashvilleHispanicChamber.com. Okay. And I want to ask you, sort of, I always ask people, what advice would you would, would you like to give anyone who's listening? What did you learn growing up? And um, 
sometimes people say, you know, I was given this advice. I wish I had taken it. Um, but just anything you could share from a personal or professional standpoint, if anyone listening, I'd love for you to comment. Well, um, our Hispanic community here in Nashville, I'm going to refer to them as the most entrepreneurial I have had the opportunity to encounter uh, out of a need. Uh, it is um, perhaps they just don't what an individual um, of any gender uh, thought they would be doing, but circumstances are adverse, challenges, uh, lack of job opportunities, circumstances including legal status and access to capital, uh, given to back that how important in the U.S. is your credit history. A newcomer like me, uh, what I did not have any any credit when I even though I had my uh, legal permanent residency first and uh, and a permit to work and all of that, I did not have a credit history. So it is challenging if you want to open a business or any any pursuit in. In, in, in the U.S. requires, like, you want to buy a home or you want to, uh, I don't know, improve your, your, your living conditions, even rent an apartment. Everything, it's, I mean, creditors require. So that's a lot of challenges. So people that come here and want to become, uh, I mean, that start a business is out of necessity. That's probably the only, the only option available to sustain families, not only in the U.S., the family they may have in the, to get uh, with them, but also those that they left behind at home in their countries of origin. And that's perhaps one of the reasons why the success rate for a Hispanic entrepreneur is high. Yes. Because you have no no room for failure. Yes, yeah. At home. Mm-hmm. And you have to work hard and, and do not contemplate any scenario in which you are not uh, making it happen. Um, so you believe, I mean, believe in in your abilities, trust that um, uh, determination, hard work is going to get you places. It's going to get you somewhere. But most importantly, I would say find something that you really like, you really like to do, um, and then I think it will be easier uh, for you to um, be happy with yourself and with it, uh, how you spend your time. Um, that's very important because money is not should not be an end. It's always means to um, other opportunities or, or or achieving goals that should not be the end. Um, I'm concerned about that because at the same time, it's a huge difference of how we live back in Latin America to how we live here in the U.S. Yes, and there's a lot of pressure. You want to you know, you're forced pressure to be to have some. To, to be at certain standards, and that's not necessarily what you should uh, spend your your life in. Um, so it's a complex scenario. And one other thing, going back to your earlier question about one of the other achievements, I think it's important to notice that growing the membership, making it sustainable as an organization, uh, receiving our Chamber of the Year Award a few years ago from the National United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, I think is a a, uh, a huge testimony to the role, the success 
that the organization has had in our market. That's spectacular. What's quite an accomplishment. Um, you know, I, I would say that many of my friends that I've met who, who are Hispanic, they're, they're very family-oriented. They elev- there's a real sense of community, and people want to help one another. They elevate one another, and extremely hardworking. I'm, I'm always reminded of Ophelia and Manuel, our dear friends. And, you know, Manuel just turned 90. He works six days a week still, he and Ophelia. They're just... Uh, amazing people, but I think there's a, what you're you were uh, alluding to is there's a sense of balance that sometimes I think Americans don't necessarily uh, realize that the rest of the world we that you you guys have it figured out where it's 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 not just about making money it's not just about um, status it's it's about you know taking time for friends and family and um, the quality of life and experiencing that as well. Yeah, definitely. It can be it can be destructive if you don't have that background. Maybe maybe what you learn from your uh, family, grandparents, or your your uh, the way how your uh, country of origin culture is. Um, I, I can be shocking because if it is expected that someone living in the United States, uh, and that's perceived also still now. Uh, that individuals in the United States living in the U.S. are are all wealthy. Yeah, and and it may be it, the wages may be a lot more than what they are in in Latin America, but you spend a lot more in basic necessities. Right, right, sure. Rent a tiger, services I take a, a, a huge chunk of your income. So, but that perception still is is uh, being inaccurate. Um, and the expectation also. So I think we, we had much more fun back in Lima or back in Mexico, uh, back in Peru, uh, with less, because we have our family together. Right. Uh, well, it, 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 it's just understanding how each, each one of the um, systems uh, operate that can help. Well, and you have a beautiful culture of music and food, and dancing, your dancing, and the flutes, the beautiful uh, pan flute that I love, that music with the, the made out of the bamboo. And, of course, you have to mention Pisco Sours. You have to have a Pisco Sour, one or two. <laughs> that is wonderful. Um, and, you know, tell, tell everyone, what is the national dish in Peru? You have to try whenever anyone goes to Peru. I was very surprised, but I did try, of course. Delicious. And that's one of the 
I, mean, I think you cannot find pollo rasa outside Peru. Of course, you can find Peruvian chicken in in Washington D.C., New York City, and the other places. But uh, they do it in Lima. It's just great. And then guinea pig is you raise guinea pig, and those are eaten as well, and those are roasted. Uh, there's not a ton of meat on it, but it's definitely, if you go to Peru, you must try that. And um, lots of corn. You eat a lot of corn. And I believe that you, you are, the Peruvian people were responsible for growing all different types of corn and even building terraces on the side of mountains to grow the corn, grow the crops. I believe tomatoes and potatoes also were influenced um, the Peruvian culture, and, and I think you introduced it to the rest of the world, if I've got my facts straight, but just unbelievably industrious, creative people um, that are fascinating to, to, to study. I, I, you know a lot about Peru. You could be a good tour guide. <laughs> I'm, I'm an honorary Peruvian. Maybe I, was a per, <laughs> maybe I was a Peruvian in a former life. I, I still haven't seen the Nazca lines, so you know you have to go when it's exactly the right conditions. Otherwise, you miss them, or you have to go by boat. So that's another bucket list to go back and maybe see the Nazca lines. So, anyway, the Nazca lines. For those that do not know, um, they are uh, how do you call it? Like drawings on the ground. Yeah. Uh, they side on the ground that last for miles and miles. And it's actually dug into the ground. It's actually like a, like, yeah, it's more than a drawing. And it's actually visual, visible from the air and then some of it from the water as well. It's visible. Yeah, it's, and, and, and that's the mystery still of, of why and, and what was the purpose. There are, have respect, the researchers have speculated a lot on, on the purpose of that. But still, if you can, you can only see it from a, a plane from, or like a like a, a small plane, or a balloon. I guess I don't know if they use that or they had that, but uh, interesting. I, there are a lot of places that are uh, um, uh, mysterious. I guess in, mm-hmm. in in Peru and 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 the countries around there. Lots of UFOs spotted. <laughs> that too. That too. Now you're going to be hearing about that uh, pretty soon in the news according to what we are, are monitoring, but uh, we'll, we'll, that's, that's things that we need to we need to be prepared for uh, to understand the, the past, our history. Um, I mean, they, they were advanced. They, they, you know, you, you learned that, right, when you visit through Absolutely. That. We used to practice, uh, like, brain surgery. Yes. And they have they have, they have skulls where they you can you can see where they actually cut into the skull and performed surgery and the people survived to adulthood, survived. which is extraordinary. So if, they, if they died, it was because they they saw the the, the bone growth around the metal like gold plates that they covered the the uh, uh, the incision made for the surgery. Right. But they determined that because of that bone growth is that the person survived. Well, and I think uh, the other thing that's fascinating is to to visit the Yoros Islands, which I always wanted to visit and I got to see last time. These are floating islands that are made by weaving the reeds together. And you can visit by boat. And people 
they they have their you know their old culture is intact there basically and that's in Lake Titicaca and of course there's they, there's all these theories about UFOs and Lake Titicaca and underground worlds and if you're interested in any of that I mean just you know Kurt von Donegan and um, it's in search of ancient astronauts and the History Channel they have so many programs about Peru and about um, and the rich culture there. And the other thing that we didn't mention is that Peru is in the Amazon. Part of it is in the Amazon. And all of the drugs that have come, the cures, the curative powers of the vegetation in Amazon, the Amazon rainforest uh, is just huge contributions to, to health and wellness. So, so you have the Amazon then towards the north of that. Uh, then you have Central America will also, there are many of those areas there cover vegetation. Mm -hmm. So they found pyramids in there. Right. And one of the oldest pyramids, also by base, is in, in um, somewhere in, in, in near Lima. Yeah. And so all those constructions, it looks like there was a time in which uh, because they're similar, and that's a, too much of a coincidence. We find the same structures in the Americas, and we find the same structures in in Asia and in other parts of the world, in Africa. Uh, it has to have been some sort of a global civilization. Yes. Or a way for them to have either migrated with the knowledge to how, how they can cut stone or build it's just that, it, that is really unsolved. Uh, there's a documentary on Netflix um, about uh, pyramids. Now, it's a new one that just got released. I forgot the name of that, but um, I can recall the name of it. But it's it's interesting because by seeing how they did that there, uh, you think about what was the purpose of those I mean, this is the pyramids of Teotihuacan in, uh, Mex near Mexico City. Pardon? Yes, yeah, uh-huh. Okay, so that is uh, still unresolved. It's supposed to have been, I don't know if there's a clear reason why they built it. And in Peru, it's the same. You speculate that the uh, structures there uh, either were built to keep the intruder away because there are these walls. You've been to Sacsayhuaman. Sacsayhuaman, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and no mortar. No mortar. Yeah. How they put these together with no mortar and how they lifted the stones up. They weigh tons. It's the most incredible thing. They kind of bevel the stones on the side, you know, and the and the that's when they that's when they're talking about maybe there was some sort of aliens that helped them do this. Or how did they how were they able to levitate the rocks? And that's where all this speculation comes from. Um I don't know. At least they had some uh, either technology or ways to or knowledge about doing that that we do not know now that's right. the thing it, whatever however it happened we do not know how it happened yet it's not clear i mean there are these theories but okay they try try to move those stones and then when you're in Machu picture they'll tell you they got the tour guys will tell you that the query was across in another mountain and there's a river in between right down so you have to cut the stone cross the river and then lift that up to i don't know how many 
or, or how many meters it's a hundred or two hundred. Yeah. I don't know how, how far that is, but it's just I, I cannot imagine moving those rocks or weight tons up to the any, top because it's quite yeah. I mean, even to get there now. You gotta want to go to Machu Picchu because you, you when well, the first time I went, I took a train to um, Agua Caliente, and then yeah. I got on a bus, and there's all these switchback roads all the way up to the top. So that was how many years ago, and now it's a little bit easier. And then you're going along that river. The river is quite treacherous. There's a lot of rapids and everything. I, I don't remember the name of the river. And then they have the, the Andean trails that you could take. So people, some people hike the trails that are still there. So um, it's, 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 all I can tell you is a fascinating place to visit. And um, I just feel such a connection. Anytime I go, I feel connected. And anytime I leave, I don't want to leave. And, and you know what, Yori, I still have a bracelet that uh, Leo, our tour guide, gave me wrapped around my wrist before I left. I'm still wearing it every day. So I think of Peru. I feel like I'm being blessed by the... the I'm just connected to Peru. So, anyway. I think... I think no, no, those, uh, those are... I think you have a connection with uh, Peru and with that area especially. Um, it's, it's an unforgettable visit to anyone that is considering that. I think you will that was the best investment, which is not expensive really to visit nowadays, but no. it is. It requires time and, and being prepared for, for a little change. I think you're speaking about Ubamba River. Say, is that, is that the, say it again. Urubamba. Urubamba, Uru, yeah, uh huh. Been there as well, yep. Yeah, Urubamba River, that's the one. The, that, yes. Uh, and uh, you can see it when you're on your way to. Uh, Machu Picchu, as you, I mean, I remember driving from Cusco, and the river was most of the time it was on the, as I recall, it was on the left side and looking out, and it was just like rapids. I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it wasn't a sleepy river by any stretch of the imagination. No, definitely, yeah, and, and that's so we are proud of uh, being a UNESCO um, World Heritage Site and all of that. Um, and uh, but uh, there are questions that we cannot yet answer. Yeah. Uh, I visited Cusco. I remember going to the main temple there, and when I saw it was this beautiful, very aesthetical. Um, I like tears came up from my eyes because I really didn't know. I thought some. A civilization was able to do this, and we don't know anything about it. Well, and, and, and some of it was destroyed. I mean, when the when the conquistadors came came to Peru and conquered, they destroyed the temples. A lot of the temples were destroyed, and then they built churches on top of the foundation because they wanted to dominate the people. And it's like by taking consecrated ground. And then building their Catholic churches on top, that was a way to dominate the people. So that's the other sad thing that's happened. You can see that all over Lima, of course. You, you know about that. Um, yeah, so that, that was the temple of Coricancha. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a golden temple. And, and that is, part of that is the original structure, and then part of that is a, a Catholic church. Co yeah, colonial build, yeah. Yeah, or something like that. And 
that yeah it, it, it was I didn't expect that my that I, that would feel like that but I remember looking at that and thinking how was this made and whoever made this they were amazing and we lost the knowledge of of you know, how they um, reach that level of sophistication and abilities. So it's the culture we lose. But I think, in a way, it brings me back to why it is important to be active and to be an ambassador and advocate of your culture, of your heritage, or of your people. Because if you don't do it, then it will get lost. I agree. I totally agree. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Yuri? I want to be um, very... First of all, I thank you so much, and I want to be respectful of your time. Is there anything else you'd like to to add? No, I think we we did good, right? Um, <laughs> you, um, um, I mean, I think the questions you may have um, may be questions that other people have, and I think you have a good uh, sense of what that is. What that that would be. So, if you have any other questions, I'll be happy to answer. Great, thank you so much, Yuri. Thank you. Gracias, amigo. Talk soon. Gracias. Take care. Let me know if I can help you. Bye-bye.